ELC Radio. Hey family, what's going on? This is Pastor Cruz Ramirez with Abundant Living Faith Center from El Paso, Texas. This is the podcast that's going to help you love God and lift others. Love God, lift others. Love God, lift others. Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. spend time talking about is a series called Home for the Holidays. Amen. Because the holidays are special. It's really when families come together. It's when we're supposed to uh, come together and, and join together around a bond of love and make incredible memories and express and show each other how much we love each other through giving and through all these things. It's an important thing. Uh, but sometimes uh, for a lot of people that maybe maybe you didn't grow up in a good family or maybe you grew up in a family that the holidays meant drama. Amen. Well, that was the time where everybody got drunk and then fought after dinner. You know, some people's uh, memories of the holidays are like that, you know, or those are the times when the worst fights happened or all that kind of stuff. Listen, uh, you have an opportunity to change that kind of history in your life and in your family. Can I get a good strong amen on that? And it's important. You know, many of us have lost loved ones. This is going to be our first Christmas, my first Christmas without my mom. And so that's got some, you know, man, that my wife put up the tree in my dad's house uh, the other day and she sent me a picture. I was out running some errands. And as soon as I got that picture, I just welled up and tears kind of hit me like, she's not going to be here, you know. But we have the responsibility to those that are coming behind us to make the holidays special. Amen? Amen? Now, with that, sometimes comes unneeded pressure, okay? Then that's what we want to decipher from. We shouldn't put pressure on us, on yourselves, to make the holidays perfect, but make them special. Because what people do sometimes is they stress themselves out. They, they, they you know, make themselves go broke in the name of showing somebody they love them. Like if you, if you can't afford to get, you know, the bike for your son, uh, do something else. Can I get an amen? Oh, I didn't get a lot of amens there. Listen, if you can't afford, don't go in debt just trying to bless your kids or bless other people. Have wisdom on that. Use, use some, you know, have some sense because it's not going to do your family any good when you're stressed out all of 2019 trying to pay the bill from the end of 2018's Christmas. So get creative. Do things, the other things to show love. Do, you know, write heartfelt messages. I mean, gifts are awesome. Amen. Some of the kids in here are going, Pastor, don't be telling them not to get us gifts. No, bless your kids. That's so, so much fun to get our kids and do all that stuff. I'm just saying, let's have wisdom. But in this series, I want to talk about how to really make the holidays special. And, and we're calling it Home for the Holidays. So I want to start with Matthew 7, 24, 27 in the NIV version. Okay, put that version up there. I want to start with this and want to look at what it takes first to build a strong home. Okay, so we're going to talk about a lot of things in the next few weeks that I believe is going to help you have a great holiday season. But today I want to talk about the home. And look what Matthew 24, 7 says. Uh, Jesus is teaching us here. And this is what he tells us about building a home. Now, how many know if Jesus is talking and he's giving us a blueprint how to build a home, we should listen to that. Amen? I said amen? amen. Matthew 7. It says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine 
and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now listen to this. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful, Lord God. The Bible is, is words that have come straight from the mouth of the creator in heaven, you God. And Father, as we go over your words today, as we preach your word today, I pray that it would have that same creative power that formed the universe, that formed the earth and, and created us. Let that same creative ability come out of your word today to create the realities that we want in our life. Let the anointing be present to preach and pull down strongholds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Jesus had a lot to say about building a home. Matter of fact, his earthly occupation on the planet was that of a carpenter. And I'm sure he made chairs and tables, but I'm also sure it wasn't above him to get up on a ladder. And it's quite possible he built homes. And maybe that's why he's using this illustration as he's preaching to us. And he goes on to, to compare uh, some things here, our, our life to a house. And what he's basically saying is that we should build our lives on the rock. And we know the rock to be Jesus Christ. It's not Dwayne Johnson, ladies. I know, I know where your mind was going. The real rock is Jesus Christ, okay? That's who the real rock is. And, uh, uh, and that's what he's saying here. He says if you're going to build your house or your life, make sure you build it on Christ, and he goes on to say in the, in the last part there, let me read it to you now. In the Message Bible, same scripture, just in everyday language, it says this. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. But they are foundational words. Words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. Rain pours down, river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So what Jesus is trying to put it to us here is this. Our lives, if you want to have a good life, you've got to make sure you build your life or your home on the words of Jesus Christ. How many can say amen to that? Amen. Now, it's easy to say amen to, but it's a whole nother thing to do. Because that's why Jesus compares the other side of this thing. He says, smart or wise people are going to listen to my words and build a life on them. He said, but others, and the Message Bible says, stupid carpenters hear the words of Jesus, but they don't apply them. And I wonder, and don't raise your hand today, how many of us in here would maybe be considered a stupid carpenter? We go to church every week. We hear the words of Jesus, but we refuse to put his words into practice to build a good home. Listen, when I face the Father, I want to make sure I've done everything I could do to make sure that Elevate Life Church is filled with smart carpenters that build strong homes. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Your life is to be built as a strong home, a strong home that could stand anything. And listen, moms and dads and you here that have children, listen, it's imperative that you understand that the life you have is the life you build. The life you have is the life you build. Listen, I get it. All of us don't come from the same place. When we arrive on this earth, we don't, it's not a level playing field. 
It's not even. It's not fair. Some of us might be born into money or some people on the planet Earth are born where they're born to millionaire parents. Come on, there's kids being born to some of these moguls we see on TV. How many of you know they have the, the, it's not even between them and us or, you know, where we might come from? If you came from a place where you didn't have a lot of things, maybe you were born into poverty and that you didn't ask for that, but that's what you were born into. Maybe you were born into a home that was broken to a single mom and you didn't know your father. He was never around. Listen, that is not your fault. And and I, I we got to you know look this thing in the face and say, hey, we may not all start on the same plane, but when Jesus comes into our life, we are no longer victor, uh, victims to the circumstances and the environments that we come from. Jesus comes into our life, and if you believe his word, he is the secret sauce to make your life something. Amen? Amen. I've seen him do it over and over. He loves to take people that come from a deficit and bring them all the way into a place of addition and multiplication. He likes to take people uh, like King David, who are born into a family that don't even claim him. When you read about the stories in the Bible of the people that God chooses, he don't always pick the most beautiful people. He don't always pick the smartest people. He don't always pick the richest people. Because he likes to take people uh, uh, that nobody expects anything from to do great things with them. And when you look at the story of King David, he wasn't invited to the party when the prophet said, get all your sons. One of them's the king. David's son said, uh, David's dad said, well, it's got to be one of these guys. I'm not even going to invite David. Keep him out there in the sheepfold. Most historians believe David wasn't invited to the party because he was an illegitimate child. Possibly a child that was born through Jesse's affair with another woman. And he was ashamed of David. Put it this way, sons didn't do the jobs of shepherds. Slaves did. He gave David the slave's job. Didn't claim him as a son. And the prophet, because how many know you can't fool a man of God, amen? The prophet said, you must have another son. Jesse said, oh man, you got me. Well, there was, you know, 15 years ago, I was at a club and uh, one thing led to another and had a little bit too much tequila or whatever they drink in Hebrew times. And I met this woman and I had this boy and he's out there in the field. Could have went that way. The Bible says that that was the one that God chose. See, when God comes into your boat, it doesn't matter what your background is. You are now taken from being a victim to your environment, a product of your environment, to now everything changes. It's like getting that black Visa or American Express card. There's no limit on that. Y'all have heard about the black American Express card, haven't you? It's a thing. It's a card that has no limit to what you can charge on it. That is what Jesus is when he comes into your life. You may not have had a good family. You may have been ostracized from you. They may have kicked you out. They don't claim you. But when Jesus comes into your boat, anything is possible. You may be that one son that was the black sheep of the family, didn't have nothing going for it. You may be that one person that you feel like everybody in your family looks down on. You may be the ones in the neighborhood that have the bad name. Come on, somebody. Amen. Y'all remember those families in the neighborhood? We had a family in our neighborhood. Ooh, that name meant something. And it wasn't good. You know, it was, we, we, their code name was the Adams Family. Remember the Adams Family back in those black and white shows? You know, every house on the street was nice. They had like a, a haunted house they lived in. Listen, you may come from a house like that on your street where your name means trouble. You can change that when Jesus comes into the boat. But here's the thing. You've got to build your house on him and his word. That's what you got to do. Now, there's going to be a lot of other voices that come at you. There's going to be a lot of other things that are going to try to get you to build on this. Build on tradition. 
Build on education. Build on what the skeptics say. Build on what the culture in America says. And people build their families, their homes on trends, on things that are popular. But listen, Jesus makes it clear. You want to build a house that's going to last, build it on me. Because he goes on to say, and put back up there on the NIV there, that that first scripture there in verse 24. He goes on to say this, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fail. When I read that, it's a reminder that life is not always fair. And there's not a person in here that hasn't been touched by how rough the world can be. Remember, we live in a fallen world. It's not a perfect world. And, you know, it it always it's like nails on a chalkboard when I hear people say, well, if it's the will of God, I guess it's just going to happen. I always wanted I just want to. What are you crazy? Have you looked around? There is so much going on in our world that is not the will of God. And you just think the will of God for your life. Well, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. Quit saying that. Because I guarantee you it is not the will of God that we have neighborhoods full of drug addiction. It's not the will of God that we're going to go to Mexico in a couple weeks and help kids that are being abused by their family. That's going on, and that's not the will of God. Amen? So, you know, people that like to throw that around, no, that, that, that's, that, that's not how this thing works. We live in a fallen world. And when Adam and Eve decided to go after the knowledge of good and evil rather than be in relationship of, with their God, they brought an evil into this world that is continuing till this day. Now, when Jesus comes, he gives us back the keys to give us dominion over that world. Okay, But you better believe living in a world that is not perfect, that is inherently evil, we're going to hit some storms. We're going to go through some things. Our families are going to be affected by that. It's, it's kind of like living, you know, uh, it's just like in the natural. You build a house. Your house is subject to the environment it lives in. If you build a house in Alaska, guess what you better have in there? Insulation. Because it's a cold place in Alaska. And the snow's going to come. You know, those things. That's kind of how life is. There's going to be things that have come. Many of us have been hit by life. You know, uh, if you've gone through a divorce that wasn't, you know, that you didn't want to have or it wasn't something that you foresaw, man, that's a storm. But did you know when the storm like that comes, it doesn't have to crush you. We have so many incredible people in this church that have been through tough things like like a divorce, losing a loved one, losing a child, and they're still standing. Some, some of us in here have lost a lot of money, and you're still going. You've lost things, but because Christ is in your life, and, you, and you've built your life on him, you will continue to stand. Can I get a good strong amen on that? Amen. Listen, I've been through a ton of storms in my life, and I got enough sense to know they won't be the last ones. And I don't have to fear what life can throw my way if my life is built on Jesus. But, but, but see, look at the next part. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice, they're fools. This is the thing we battle with in America. Because America, we treat Christianity like it's just another religion, like being a Muslim, like being a Buddhist, like being a Seventh-day Adventist, like being a, 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 a First Christ mad scientist, whatever, whatever they're called, or, 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 or uh, Scientology or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't know, can't keep up, you know. But there's all these things, and we just think, well, Christian is one. No, no. This thing is not a religion. Once you try to make your Christianity a religion, it, it ceases to work. You want to kill the power of God. Jesus said it was like this. It's the, it's the traditions of men that have made your conversion of no effect. Once you start making this thing with Jesus a tradition, like just something you do on Sundays, there's no power in it. And this is why we have buildings full of of people in America, but no power in those places. I don't want to be a church like that. I want to be a place where if your mijito, God forbid, gets on drugs, he can come to an altar at Elevate, and God's power is going to break those chains. I want to be that place. How many want to be that place? 
I want to be that place where if we get a bad report because a storm uh, comes in and the doctor says, hey, it doesn't look good. I want to be a place where the power of God works so I could call and say, hey, pastor, could you all pray for me? Because I got a bad report from the doctor and I ain't receiving it. Come on, somebody. Amen. And we can come to a place that believes in healing, can manifest healing because we're connected and we're built on the rock. That's what this thing's about. And listen, if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for your kids. Do it for your kids. So Jesus is trying to draw a line in the sand, so to speak. Don't be one that just hears the words and, not do, and doesn't do them. Because the storms will come. And he, and, he, and he warns us here that the storms will come. This we know for sure. Sorry, I always got to go into new edition. Can you stand the rain? Pray for me. But it comes. The storms will come. As Ralph Tresman said, this we know for sure. But if you haven't built your life on Christ like a lot of Christians don't, it crushes you. Message Bible says your house will fall like a house of cards. And you know what? I've seen that too. Man, as I was preparing this and I was going through this scripture, I was seeing faces of people that when we first started or the first couple years were with us. Now they're not here anymore. A storm came, wiped them out. And I pray for them because, man, if, if they were to die not following and serving Christ, their eternity is messed up forever because a storm came and they didn't build their life on Jesus. Tell your neighbor there's a storm coming. But, you know, that doesn't scare us when we're built, in, uh, when we're built and living in good houses. And that's why I'm preaching this to you today so that we can prepare our homes. Amen. Uh, Isaiah 32, verse 17 through 18 says this, the fruit of that righteousness will be peace. This is a a, a prophetic word from Isaiah about the people of God, uh, us, as we come into salvation. And look what it says here. Uh, The fruit of the righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Now, claim this, underline it, highlight it in your Bible. If you like tattoos, this is a good tattoo to get right here. Uh, It says, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Maybe you were raised in a home that was far from peaceful. Maybe you were raised in a home where... Any given day, a cup would fly across the kitchen or a frying pan or whatever it might be. Your house doesn't have to be like that. And according to Isaiah, as followers of righteousness, we have a promise that if we build our lives on Christ, our lives won't be like that. Now, listen, I'm not preaching this to convict anybody here. Nobody's home is perfect. Can I get an amen? Amen. Say, amen. Our home's not perfect. We have had arguments. We've had times where doors were slammed. We've had times where one person's on one side of the house, the other's on the other. And you're in deep trouble when you live in a small home. Amen. Because there ain't no getting away. Uh, yeah, we all have those moments where those things happen. But overall, the promise that you got to see here, that when you build your house on Christ, it says, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places. And I love this, secure homes. Secure homes. If there's anything the world needs right now, it's secure homes. If there's anything your children need right now, it's secure homes. And that word secure means a lot of things. Uh, It could mean financially secure. It could mean secure in the mundane things. Can I tell you about the word secure? Secure is not a sexy word. And what I mean by that is when you're making somebody secure, it's not bringing gifts that bring security. It's the boring stuff that brings security. Like being home every night. Like simply eating together brings security. It's little things. It's not taking them to Disneyland. It's not going to, you know, the movies every week. It's movie night. It's not those things. You know what brings security? It's the stuff that goes on every day that you think don't matter. Taking your kids to school, putting them to bed, a spanking every now and then, (laughs) a 
Oh, you don't believe me. That, that, that brings security. You know what happens when you don't teach your kids? I'm going on a whole nother riff here, but somebody needs to hear it. Some, I, someone's pulling it out of me right now. I got to give it. You know what happens when you don't discipline your children? They never feel what a boundary feels like. Boundaries create security. They create security. You don't believe me. Go somewhere on a building where there's no boundary. Go somewhere up high where there's no boundary. Climb up to your roof when you go home today and stand there. You'll be like, whoa, whoa. There's no security. But if there was a boundary there, oh, then you're Superman up there. Check this out. Take a picture. Oh, you're just like, you're comfortable where there's boundaries. Boundaries create security. Guess what brings boundaries? Discipline. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody here today. See, your mijito acts out. He don't act right. He can't listen in school because he don't feel safe. What do we do when we don't feel safe? We get nervous. And nerves manifest in different ways. Nerves manifest sometimes can't sit still, can't listen, can't pay attention. Our mind's racing. But you get a kid that's got healthy boundaries, he's cool. He's the one in the front raising his hand. Yes, teacher, the answer is this. And your little mijitos in the back, I don't want to be here right now. Here, throw some, because he don't know boundaries. Now back to the word, amen. I feel a brick spirit. So a secure home means a lot of things, people. It means a lot of things. It's a promise from the Lord that if we build our home on Jesus, we can have secure places and peaceful dwelling places. Now, I'm sharing this during the holidays because you have an assignment this year to make sure that you bring peace into every situation you're in with your family. How many want to do that this holiday season? There's nothing worse than unnecessary drama during the holidays. And, you know, there's a way that we can overcome these things. And some of us go, well, you know, yeah, that sounds good. But, you know, my, my brother, they'd be acting crazy. My sister-in-law is off the hook. What you want me to do with that? Let me tell you something. We've got to remember when Christ is in our boat, we have the power. Tell your neighbor, I got the power. Tell him just like that, too. And the disobedient wouldn't do it. I saw you. I saw you. I got the power. Listen, did you know you are more, you are not a thermometer, you're a thermostat. See what a thermometer is, a thermometer reads what the environment is. If it's cold, the thermometer doesn't do anything about it, it's just cold. It just tells you it's cold. So what most people that aren't Christians are thermometers. So if they walk into a home Christmas Eve and there's funk, there's friction, there's beef. They walk right into it and they come and become a part of it. But a thermostat, it's different. You know that thermostat in your house? You could set the temperature. If you walk into the room and it's cold, you say, hold up, wait a minute. You go over, you crack that thing up to 85. Come on, somebody. And what happens to the room? It gets not just warm, it gets hot. That's the power of a thermostat. You're a thermostat. Any place you go, because Christ is in you, you could change the temperature. You could change the atmosphere. You could change the room. If you build your life on Christ. Because I already know. Some of us, Christmas Eve, you ain't even looking forward to it. Getting ready to get dressed. Oh, let me just get through this without my sister-in-law saying something crazy. Let me just, you know. And you just dreading it. Listen, I want to challenge you in that. No, you're going to go, and wherever you are, you're going to bring joy. Amen? And you're going to be like the Matrix, just dodging bullets. How many remember that movie, The Matrix? They're shooting at him, and he's just, whoosh, whoosh, he's just dodging everything. Untouchable. That's going to be you. Yeah, because so, here's the thing. You can't control what other people do, but you can control how you respond. Amen? Somebody needs to hear that that's going Christmas shopping this week because there's going to be somebody there that's going to be off the hook, but you don't have to respond because we are the ones that change the temperature. Amen? How many, how many know what I'm talking about? 
I know some of us, we come from crazy families. Can I just, can I just tell you something? You know, uh, when, when I married my wife, they got such a blessing. I know it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back, but just stay with me here. <laughs> they were so blessed that I married their daughter. They were. And through the years that we've been together, I've done everything I could to be a blessing to all of them. Her brothers and sisters, her mother and father, they have benefited by having me in the crazy family. I've made their existence better. And I think if they were here, they would probably say the same thing, I hope, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Speaking by faith. But I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying this because you have the same opportunity. Now, my wife will be the first one to get this mic and tell you her family, they got issues. But that doesn't change how I am. They may have issues. They may have stuff going on. But when I come into the family, I bring a blessing. And, and uh, yeah, Tina's like, hey, hey, it goes both ways. <laughs> but no doubt has my family been blessed by my wife's presence in our family. I mean, she came into my family and took care of my mother to her dying day, was there. And it had nothing to do. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. It had nothing to do with how good my family was or how good her family was. We just being us. You like that English right there? We just being us. Why? Because we built our lives upon the rock. Amen? Because not everybody in my family always makes her feel welcome. Not everybody in her family has made me feel welcome. Boy, they were, they were borderline racist when I met them. <laughs> and the borderline is, is just being politically correct. <laughs> they told her, and she said, oh, yeah, my new boyfriend's Mexican. They said, oh, mija, no. <laughs> See, her family's from Central America, Guatemala, Colombia, and she told him she was, married, she, was getting, she was dating a Mexican. They were like, oh, Mija, no, no, not a Mexican. So my response to them could have been, forget y'all then. You need help? Sorry for ya. But that was never my response. Why? Because that might be how they are. But me, I'm a good person. I come to bless. I come to lift. Amen. And there's been situations and circumstances and there is in every family that you got to take the power away from the crazy people, the off people, the broken people, the hurting people. And you got to walk in every situations with your families this holiday season as an agent of healing. And you may need to dodge some bullets. You may need to. Hey, I ain't going to take that the wrong way. You know, they come in and you know how it is, especially with Mexican families. They'll be, they'll be right away to tell you, oh, dang, you gained weight. <laughs> By the end of the night, they're calling you gorda. <laughs> I don't even know you like that. I'm here with my cousin. You talk... <laughs> it's just the way it is. And sometimes you got to make a decision. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. Somebody comes in, talks to your, your child for doing something wrong. And, man, who, somebody needs to grab this boy. And you're like, well, don't talk to us. Sometimes you got to let stuff go. I got him. Just pull him aside. It's going to be all right. We're going to get through this night. We're not going to bring drama. I love you. You got to do that. You got to do that. Why? Because our lives are built on Jesus. The other produces nothing else but a miserable night. And you say, well, I don't care. I ain't going to, for your kids, for your kids. And your kids want to be with the cousins, and they can't because you got drama. They want to have a nice Merry Christmas. Instead, they're hearing a lot of bad words in Spanish and in English. Are, are you guys tracking with me? See, this might not be helping you, but I'm helping somebody today. Because we're supposed to have peaceful dwelling places, secure homes in undisturbed places of rest. So let's keep going. Let me give you another scripture here. Math, uh, Isaiah 28, 16. So this is what Sovereign Lord says, what the Sovereign Lord says. See, 
I lay a stone in Zion. It's a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. What's Isaiah talking about here? He's talking about the stone that's laid in Zion. Zion represents the church. And that stone is Jesus Christ. And it says it's tested. It's sure. It's a foundation that if you rely on it, you'll never be stricken with panic. I think that's an interesting choice of words, especially for nowadays where panic attacks are on the rise, where people take medication because they can't deal with anxiety. Listen, I'm not throwing stones at you in any way, shape, or form. You get the help you need. But while you're getting help from a counselor, while you're getting help from medication, you need to get spiritual help from Jesus. And the scriptures tell us that when we build a life on Christ, one of the, thing that, one of the things that leaves us is a life of panic. If you deal with panic attacks or anxiety, there is an answer to that. Building your life on Jesus. If you deal with anxiety or any of those things, maybe it's time to do inventory on what you're building your life on. Maybe it's not built on Christ like you think it is. Maybe it's built on church. Listen, church is no replacement for Christ. It's a part of this thing that Jesus created, uh, that, that this life that Jesus has given us. Church is definitely a part of it. It's an environment where we thrive. It's actually the place where we get, or the Bible talks about being fed, but not only fed, the Bible says equipped, equipped to live the Christian life. So when your friends tell you, I believe in Jesus, I just don't go to church. They, 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 they don't get it. They ain't getting it. But listen, we've got to build our lives on the sure foundation to deal with anxiety and, and these things during the holidays. Look at Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I love this picture. I love this scripture of what it says. Because I believe that the knowledge in those rooms are my children. Rare and beautiful treasures. And every parent in here should say, but how do I get them to be treasures? By using the wisdom of God to build my home. Amen? So how do we build a home on a sure foundation? Let me give you these in the next five minutes, and then I'll let you go. I want you to write these things down. How to build a home on a sure foundation. The first thing we've got to do here, number one, destroy the old foundation. And this is where we lose people. Because people don't want to let go of things. We want to hang on to things. I love how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 7. The way he put it there, especially in the Message Bible, put that back on the screen there in the Message Bible. You need to see what, he's, what he describes it as here. He says this, uh, uh, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Here's what we do with Jesus in Western culture, in America. We get saved and we add Jesus to all the other stuff in our life. So if we're sports people, well, we've got the Giants on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Jesus gets Sunday morning. If, you know, we're uh, career-minded, then we got career, career, career. Jesus gets Sunday morning, and yeah, I'll listen to worship music on the way to work. And see, what we do is we don't really change or experience change. We throw Jesus as an addition on to the house. Amen? Now, how many of you have ever seen somebody add an addition to their house? Now, some of us laugh because you know where I'm going with it, because there's a right way to add additions to the house. And then there's your Theo Manuel, <laughs> who will come over and he'll say, ah, mira, we can just put a little board right there. We could, you know, put this. Here. And then I've been over folks' house and their Theo Manuel built the extension to the living room, amen? And it ain't insulated, but, you know, rain don't get in, and it's cold. And, and you could build an addition to a house. And that's cool. Additions to a house are cool, but they don't guarantee the same thing to what Jesus is trying to get us to do. Jesus is trying to get you and I to knock down the thing that you've been living on. He ain't sharing it. And some of us, and this is where it gets hard, when you come to Jesus 
we can't build our life on your, your, you know, your tradition, your culture, and then just bring Jesus into it. And this is how we got it. Listen, being a Christian can be challenging because what Jesus is asking us for is everything. Amen. It's asking us for everything. So what are some things that we build our lives on? If we're going to build our life on him, we've got to first destroy the old things. What are some of the things that hold us back? Well, the first thing is tradition. Amen? Tradition. Tradition is what a lot of people build their lives on. Now, it's, it's crazy to do that because the Bible says it's the traditions of men that bring the word of God to no effect. You don't ever let being a Christian just being, be a tradition to you. Something you do along with the rest of your life. No. Jesus wants it all. He wants it all. And there are people who won't let go of their traditions. They just want to start, you know, well, I'm a Christian now. Nothing else in their life changes, but I go to church on Sundays and I try my best to be good. No. Jesus is asking you for a divine exchange. You need to catch this. It's a divine exchange. It's when we give God our trash and he gives us his best. Now you say, what are you talking about trash? Because remember, the Bible says without Christ, Paul said this, everything is as dung. Basically poop. Everything. Everything I am and have, Paul said, in comparison to what God has for me, it's dung. But some of us have been so conditioned to living a life without God that we cannot give away the things that we need to give away to make life better in our life. And sometimes it's simply tradition. It's tradition. You know, to get the life I had to, I had to have, I had to leave some traditions. And my family wasn't always excited about it. I had some uncles. I remember, you know, I have a legacy of faith. My grandfather planted many churches. My father was raised in the assemblies of God. My grandfather was a presbyter for the assemblies of God. And, and he, was a, he was a big shot with them. And then I remember, you know, God called me to go to a Bible school that was outside of the assemblies of God. <laughs> Boy, you, my, some of my uncles got so upset at me. You know, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? I don't, I don't think that's God. They challenged me. I don't think that's God. I don't think that's right. You, you know, we've always been assemblies of God. We've always been this way. And, you know, your grandfather, he did these things. I said, man, that's great. I'm not trying to, 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 to disrespect any of that. But deal, this is the way I feel God leading me. And this is where I feel like he's leading me to go. And I'm so glad I followed the spirit rather than the traditions of men. Now, if God would have kept me in that vein, I would have stayed in the vein. But he didn't. But I also didn't let tradition hold me back. Can I get an amen on that? Traditions will hold you back, but not just religious traditions. How about how about cultural traditions? Ooh, this is a big one. This is a big one. But you got to understand there are things in our cultures that can hold us back. I talked about this during the Halloween season. You know, people, you know, believers, Christians have altars in their in their houses to all their dead loved ones. Y'all know that goes against God's word. And the Old Testament calls it an abomination to even have interaction with the dead. They would get stoned in the Old Testament for doing such things. That's not who we are as Christians, as followers of Christ. So when we're faced with things like that, something has got to bow. I always tell people this, before I'm Mexican, before I'm American, I'm a Christian. First and foremost. And so if anything being an American or being Mexican conflicts with me being a Christian, I follow Christ. I know, I know this is challenging. I know this is challenging because many of us have been built up with these things that we think they're harmless. But listen, they matter to the Lord. That's why Joshua said, you know, and choose you this day who you'll serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen. Cultural traditions can hold you back. Well, you know, my family, we always, you know, drink during the holidays or we always do these things. Listen, if it goes against this word, get it out. Go to the next thing. What else? What else do we have to destroy sometimes? The, the pool for riches and success. Did you know the majority of us serve? You know, if you don't you don't understand it, let me tell you this. The majority of people on the planet Earth and in America serve riches. Jesus said this. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. He says, because you'll love one and you'll be unwilling towards the other. 
We have a culture where we'll move our kids out of communities they love, away from family they love, if a job presents us with more money. We'll do that. But we can't get some people to get out of bed on a Sunday to follow Jesus Christ to church. There's a difference there. And sometimes when you come to Christ, that was your drive. Listen, people are going to our universities and colleges are filled with people paying money to get education and sit in classes they hate so they can get a better job that can get them more money. Build their whole lives around riches and success. Understand this. God is not against riches and success, but riches and success are to come through him when you build your life upon the rock. And some of us have built our life on riches and success. We've got to destroy those foundations. We can no longer be ruled by what gives us more money. We've got to be ruled by the Lord. Can I get an amen? Another foundation we've got to destroy is the foundation of pride. We've got to put down our pride. Some people don't like to be told what to do. Guess what? You've got to get over that. Because in life, people want, are going to need to help you. And if you're going to get help from people, you got to listen to somebody. Tell your neighbor you got to listen to somebody. Got to listen to somebody. Boy, you see pride so bad in people, they won't even listen to their doctor. Doctor's like, listen, I'm trying to save your life. I, I, I'm, I'm good. He don't know what he's talking about. He just wants money. No, you're too proud to listen to people that want to help you. Got to get rid of that. Got to destroy that foundation. And the last one is hedonism. What is hedonism? It's living for the weekend. God ain't going to, you can't build a foundation on living for the weekend. Listen, don't let entertainment be your God. Don't let fun rule your life. Don't live for vacations. There's more to life than that. Don't live for the weekend. What a loser. You're just happy because it's Friday. (laughs) Listen, my life is good every day. I just got to get, let me just get to Friday. No. What about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Come on, somebody. Amen. Every day got to be good. Amen? Amen. But what produces that? Hedonism. You know what hedonism is? Living for a good time. If it feels good, it's got to be right. No, there's a lot of things that feel good that ain't good for you. Amen? And if you've ever did drugs, you know what I'm talking about. If you ever did drugs, you, yeah, it must be pretty good. You ever think about that? Because people are giving up their families for it. So if you're going to live by a mantra that says, well, if it feels good, do it, you're in deep trouble. And it won't be long. You'll be all stinky living on the street, too. Because that never produces good things. All right. So if we're going to build a sure foundation, we got to destroy the old foundation. And the last one I want to leave you with today, and we'll get more into this next week. Second thing you need to do to build a sure foundation is pursue the wisdom of God. Pursue it. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, it says this, by wisdom, a ho- by wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established through knowledge. Its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. We've got to learn to value God's wisdom. We've got to learn to value it. You know, I remember when that thing, that scripture turned on in my life, everything changed. I began to spend more money on books and conferences and investing in myself than I ever did before. It's amazing. We live in a culture where we'll spend 500 bucks on a handbag. But when we go to that, we won't buy a book that's twenty five dollars. We'll buy shoes that are two hundred and fifty dollars. But we won't invest in a course or take a class or, or invest anything in those things. Listen, you have got to value the wisdom of God. Put that scripture back up on the screen there, Proverbs. By wisdom, your house is going to be built. Through understanding, it's established. Through knowledge, your rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. This is talking about your home. I want my home to be to, to be a place of, of rare and beautiful treasures in my children and in the experiences we have. We've got to build these things, but they're built by the wisdom of God. Pursue it. Go after it. Make sure you hunger after the things of God. Don't let the world take your appetite. It's just like your mom told you all those years, some of our moms anyways. Mijo, 
Don't spoil your appetite. Anybody hear that? It's probably a lost thing nowadays. They used to say that back in the day. Don't, don't eat that. It's going to spoil your appetite. Wait for dinner. Because why? Because you only got one appetite. Some of us wasted on things. That's why, you know, there's certain things we got to abstain from. Certain things we've got to make sure we keep in check because we want our appetites to be after the things of God. And I say this all the time. It's the books you read, the messages you hear, and the people you meet that are going to change your life. That's how you change your life. The books you read, the messages you hear, and the people you meet. Three of the main things that God is going to use to change your life. Some of us don't like being around people. Okay, you're down to two things. Some of us don't like reading. Okay, you're down to one thing. I can't get to church every week. And you wonder why nothing changes in your life. Be a person who learns to love all three of these things. Every Sunday when you hear a message, it has the ability to change your life. Go to the bookstore this week. Buy a book. It has the ability. God might use that to change your life. And the opportunities that you have to meet new people, take them. Because God may send people into your life that he's sending to bless your life. Let's stand to our feet. We want to build good homes, y'all. My prayer is that this holiday season's your best. We all face challenges. Like I said, this is going to be our first without my mom. But I'm doing my best to make sure it's enjoyable. She'd want it that way. Do our best not to make it sad and just sit around and not have fun. No. My kids deserve a good Christmas. My cousins, my brothers, my dad deserves a good Christmas. So, so, so we've got to press on. I pray your, your uh, family and your Christmas is going to be just as blessed. I don't know what challenges you're facing, but what I want you to take from here today is this. You have the power. Call your neighbor He-Man or She-Ra. Remember She-Ra and He-Man? I have the power. That's you. That's you this holiday season. You got the power to make it a good Christmas for your kids. Amen. Hey, everybody. Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.